to Exodus chapter 13. If we look at the word of the Lord, it says this, this is what you must do when the Lord fulfills the promise he swore to you and to your ancestors. When he gives you the land where the Canaanites now live, you must present all firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. The firstborn donkey may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. And in the future, your children will ask you, what, is this? what, is, what does all this mean? And then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of your slavery. Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go. So the Lord killed all the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals. That's why I now sacrifice all the firstborn males to the Lord, except that the firstborn sons are always bought back. So, Father, you desire to be first in our lives, first in this new year. Glorify yourself in us. And may our good works shine in this present darkness in our culture. Help us to glorify you in the way we live out our lives in the darkness. Anoint and illuminate me to deliver this truth. Anoint your people to hear it. We, we announce our victory in 2014. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe may be seated. Why do we set aside 21 days at the beginning of the new year for fasting and prayer? Why do we do that? Why do we set aside our normal agendas and our diets and backing away from the clutter and the busyness and the stressfulness of life? Why? Why now? I've never been more convinced this is pleasing to the Lord to do this. Because it's a power act on our part at the beginning of a new year to give ourselves to fasting and prayer. This is a first fruits offering. Our fasting and praying is a first fruits offering. And we're saying at the beginning of a new year, we give ourselves to you again. And we want you to be first in our lives. In these 21 days, we are rearranging our lives, reprioritizing our lives to say, Father, be first in our lives. Because if God is first in your life, then everything comes into order. But if God is not first in your life, then everything is out of order, or we'll get there pretty fast. Number one, the firstborn, he says, must be sacrificed, or it must be redeemed. That's quite a heavy statement, because if you don't put God first in your life, your life will get out of order. Now, what God is saying in my text, that the firstborn son must be sacrificed or redeemed. This was God's law. And when a male is born, the first male born had to be redeemed by a clean animal, a lamb. When the first male born was brought, was, was brought before the Lord, there was a lamb that was offered as a sacrifice, and the lamb was to be sacrificed on behalf of that firstborn son. And God said, if you have a clean animal, because there were clean and unclean animals, if you have a clean animal, a lamb, and it has a first offspring, you are to bring that to the Lord and sacrifice it. So it goes right into all of the reproductive system of the nation of Israel. And he says, listen, you are to bring that to the Lord and sacrifice it. 
You are not to keep it. It belongs to the Lord. It's the first fruit. If you had an unclean animal, and he illustrates it as like a donkey in this case, he said if the donkey gives birth, you either have to break its neck or offer a clean animal, a lamb to sacrifice, to keep that firstborn from the donkey alive. Because the clean animal dies, then the unclean animal can live. Now, why is that important? And why does God say, I want this taught to the next generation? Because you and I were born unclean. No one had to teach your baby to be selfish. One of the first traits you'll recognize in that toddler is when he or she looks at you and says, mine. No one has to teach your child to lie because we are all born unclean. Jesus was identified by John the Baptist as the Lamb of God because it takes a clean animal. Jesus was born perfect, spotless, without sin. So capture the picture. The unclean animal born either has its neck broken or a clean animal is sacrificed and redeems the unclean from certain death. And that's what exactly Jesus was doing when he gave his life for us. When you comprehend the clean, Jesus had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. So comprehend, Jesus is God's first fruit offering. Jesus was the Father's tithe, and he sacrificed for unclean people like you and me. So you pay your tithe as the first fruit. Hmm. You don't wait until you get 10 lambs, 12 lambs, and then you pick one out and just give it to the Lord. Mm-mm. That's not what God says. Listen to what he says. I just read it to you. God said, the firstborn is the one I want. You put me first. You give to me first. Then I will give you others. Your lamb will bear more lambs after you've given me that first one. But the first one belongs to me. You keep all the rest, but you don't keep that one. It's mine. I want the first. Don't give me the defective or the sick or the blind or the lame lamb. Don't do that. We bring the first to God. And secondly, the firstborn must be offered. Offered. Isn't very interesting? Because watch. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Notice he didn't say give. God said bring. Because God sees the first fruits as his. And notice, nowhere in the word when God speaks of the tithe does he say you are to give the tithe. It says you bring the tithe. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. So there's a difference between giving and bringing. Because if if you're giving, it's yours, and you're bestowing it on someone or something. God does not see the tithe as yours. God's perspective, you are bringing me what is already mine. You're not giving me anything. You're bringing me what's already mine. I own it all. For instance, if I borrowed your car and I drove around for a while and used it for days and weeks, and then I came back to you in tears, having borrowed your car, and 
I was acting all spiritual. My lips were quivering, and I said, I've been fasting and praying, and I want you to know I've decided to give to you the keys to your car. You wouldn't be moved by that. What are you getting spiritual about with this? What is this? When God sees the tithe, he says, you're not giving me anything. You're bringing me what is already mine. It's so clear in the scripture. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So the firstborn and the first fruits belong to God because you bring them to the house of God. You say, here they are, Lord. Your, your tithe does not pay your college tuition. Really? Really? Even if you're going to Bible college. It doesn't belong to the needy person in your family. The tithe belongs in the storehouse. God's very clear. You can give offerings anywhere you want to give them, but the first fruit, the tithe, belongs in the storehouse. The word is absolutely, there it is, straight, plumb, Throughout the scriptures, this principle of putting God first is very clear. For example, when the children of Israel took down Jericho, remember what happened here. God had given them 10 cities in the promised land to conquer. And and, and the first city that they were going to conquer was Jericho. And God gave them very specific direction. And he said, when you take Jericho, it's going to be filled with silver and gold and beautiful clothing. Don't you touch any of it for yourself. None of it. None of the spoils. You can keep the spoils from the next nine cities, but the first city, Jericho, don't touch any of it for yourself. For all the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and irons are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. I think that's pretty clear. So they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. Now watch. Many read right through that and don't get the picture. There's the picture. These people have been walking around in the wilderness for 40 years. Think about it. They had worn the same clothes for 40 years. God renewed their clothes and their shoes. Then been eating the same food for 40 years. Manna every day. Those on the Daniel fast can relate to that, right? Same foods. Now, after 40 years, they cross into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. There's cattle everywhere. Lush harvests, lamb chops, chicken, silver, gold, fine clothes. And now they walk into Jericho and all of this treasure's there. And God says, don't you touch any of it. They'd worn the same sandals for years. He said, don't you take anything out of Jericho except from my storehouse. It's mine. I'm going to give you the nine other cities. I want you to enjoy them. They'll be jam-packed with stuff and all that you want, but Jericho's spoils are mine. Put me first. The spoils of Jericho belong to me. First fruit belongs to God. So the lesson is being taught. Well, get on to Ai, the next little city to be conquered, and it's nothing compared to Jericho. Because God knocked the walls down at Jericho, but this city should have been a cakewalk for the armies of Israel. And God told the people, do not touch any of the items used in idol worship. 
But Achan, he thought he could steal some of those expensive items and keep them for himself after all, you know, for they have taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived and they have also put it among their own stuff, okay? So he thought, well, God understands. You know, I need this for my family. We've been destitute for 40 years and today, you know, we have people doing the same stuff. I just feel led. What do you do? Does it line up with this? Because if it doesn't, you can talk that game all you want. And this guy ain't going to buy it. I'm led to use the tithe of the Lord for this project. I'm led. And immediately Achan and his house came under a curse. And all of Israel suffered a humiliating defeat by the small community because of this guy who thought, I'm going to do it my way. So they put Achan and his family to death so the curse could get lifted off of Israel. So if you would comprehend this revelation, God wants to be first in your life. That's the premise of God. This is the challenge. I created you. Everything you have belongs to me. Everything, the planet is mine. Everything you can see, everything, you t- it's all mine. It's all, it all belongs to me. And this is the challenge. God challenged Abraham and said, bring me your firstborn Isaac. Put him on the altar. Because I want to know that what I promised you 25 years ago, now that it's manifested in your life, now that you have what Sarah and you have been dreaming about, see, they had this vision in their hearts, God had placed that deep in their hearts, and they've been waiting for God to bring it to fruition after 25 years, and God says, I don't want your dream to be first. I want to be first. So you put that on the altar. And bring me your first fruit, your firstborn, and lay him on the altar. So Abraham obeys the Lord, and he raises the knife and is about to sacrifice Isaac to God. And come now these unbelievable and powerful words. And God says, now I know. He said, Abraham, stop. Don't do it. I wanted to know. Now I know. I can trust you because I know in your heart is a harvest that's greater than the sands of the seashore and greater than the stars of the heavens because I have a nation and a plan and a redeemer that's going to come out of you. It's going to be world changing and it all depends on what you're going to do with those first fruits. But now that I know I can trust you with the first fruit, I know I can trust you with everything that's going to come in the future. Now I know you will put me first. So why did God accept Abel's offering, but he did not accept Cain's offering? Word's very clear. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Say an offering. Notice what it said after this. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Oh, now notice Abel brought the first fruit, the firstborn, the best of his flock. But Cain just brought an offering. Cain just gave what he thought was acceptable. But the word says this about God's perspective on these sacrifices. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And the reason? Cain was a farmer. Abel was a rancher. Abel brought his firstborn, the best of his flock, but Cain did not bring the first fruit. 
Had he brought the first fruit before the Lord, the Lord would have received his gift as he had Abel's, and we would have not seen the very first recorded murder in the world. Cain would not have been jealous because God would have blessed him. He won't do it for me is the attitude of some believers in churches today. In fact, a great majority of them. He won't do it for me. Yes, he will if you'll do what his word says. If you will put him first. If you will honor God first. If you will give him your first fruits. And if you honor God with your resources, listen, God is no respecter of persons. But he says, don't be telling me that you feel led to do something different than what my word says you're to do. You can't keep back the tithe and feel led of the Holy Spirit to do that. Because the Spirit of God is not going to contradict the word of God. It doesn't make any difference what your skin tone is, what your cultural background is, what your economic situation happens to be. We, God is no respecter of persons. We are to bring him the first fruits. I was reading the book of a great pastor, a little bit of his story and how he's built the church that God's assigned him to be built. And in his story, he speaks of one of his children. He has a teenage daughter. She was dating a boy in the church, and she came to her dad one day, and, and she said, my boyfriend was concerned because, you know, you preach and teach about tithing in the church and ask if you check the tithes of the boys I date. <laughs> and her dad answered, I sure do. <laughs> and she said, Dad, why do you do that? And her dad said, why would a father give his daughter to a thief? Think that's strong? Listen to the words of Jesus. Luke 16, and if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth... Who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? That's pretty strong stuff. What are the true riches to God? What are those? People, his beloved creation, ones he's given life and breath to. True riches are not in cars and in houses. True riches are people. And you limit yourself and you limit your potential and you limit your ministry and you limit your influence God wants to give to you. He said, if I can't trust you with money, How can I give you true riches, people, and lots of them? If I can't say of you, now I know. I know about you, but I want him to say that about me. Now I know. I wonder what God has held back because he knows he cannot trust you. And when you grasp this understanding... God can never be second, ever. And I hear people say, well, God can do anything. No, he can't. There's one thing God can't do. He can't be second. It's impossible. He will never be second to Buddha. He will never be equal to Muhammad. And that's what politically correct people want all of you to believe. Many roads to God all just agree we're all serving the same God. That's not what Jesus taught. Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. A little different than the politically correct stuff you're getting fed today. He will never be second. He will never be equal, ever. He's above all, 
given the name above all names, the scripture says, he's higher than all. And every knee, including the knees of all the religious icons, will one day fall at his feet and say, you're the Lord. And if God runs a race, he will never come in second. He will never get a silver medal. He always golds. If he competes on the golf course with you, his score will be 18. He will never miss a shot. He is first at everything and anything he does. God, couldn't you have just taken Cain's offering? I mean, just take it. No, he did not offer me first fruit. And I will be first. I will not be second nor third after you give it to this and after you give it to that. Then you show up with something for me. No, I will be first. Well, I give when I feel led. Yeah? Well, I hope you don't just love your wife or your husband when you just feel led. Okay? It amazes me how people resist this and argue over this issue. Why would you argue about being blessed and favored of the Lord? Why would you do that? Listen to God's word. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try me. Put me to the test. Then he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. You're going to get blessed. It's better than your infomercial. But wait, there's more. If you call right now, I'll give you a second one for free. Just pay shipping and handling. Okay? It's way better than that. I will pour you out a blessing. I will rebuke the devourer. Just do what I'm asking you to do. So why do you argue with that? The tithe is to be the first. It's not what you've got left over. He didn't say, you know, after you've got 10 or 12 lambs, then pick one out and give it to me. No. He said, the first one that's born, you give it to me. Well, after I pay this and, and I, no, he's to be first. And we can never do better. Listen, the first comes right off the top. So I'm not preaching something to try to manipulate a crowd or play games with your emotions. I've got one motive and I've got one purpose for the, for the reason that we exist as a church. Because I'm going to stand before Jesus one day, and I've got to give an account to him for did I deliver what you wanted or just delivered the stuff that made people feel good? This is God's word, and I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Because when your soul starts prospering this new year, you can believe God for health prosperity, for financial prosperity, and your soul starts prospering when you put first God in his kingdom. Blessed. And I know putting God first is God's means of doing for you. When he's first, your soul prospers. Put God first. So you're going to make the same choice that Achan had to make. I mean, and some people are like, I can't trust God that much. I just, I can't, really? Yet you're trusting him with your eternal soul? You're trusting that he's going to take you away from the adversary's attack and ownership of your life and escort you into heaven? You'll trust him with your eternal soul, but you cannot trust him with your temporal stuff? The tithe must be first. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It's his. 
You are not giving it. You are returning it. You are acknowledging you're the reason I have this. It's his. It's the first that you have in your hand. I have 10 single, nearly new $1 bills in my hand right here. There they be. The minute they have dropped into my hand, the first, before I do anything else with any of it, the first comes out. And it's returned to the Lord. It's his. It's not mine. This only came into my hand because he helped me. So I'm reminded it came from him. And the first goes to him. You understand what I'm just saying to you? Listen. It's not after I pay my PG&E bill, or I pay, no, that would take a little more than that, or, take, or my mortgage, or pay for my automobile, no. When it comes into my hand, God first. What you give to him, then he blesses and multiplies, but it requires an act of faith on your part to put him first. This is the principle. It's how faith works. Faith gets out and says, I don't understand the math, but I do know if I put you first, this is going to go further with your hand on it than all of this together is going to go with my hand on it. He is no respecter of persons. And if you'll bless anybody for obeying his word, he will bless all who obey his word. Not always the same way, but he will always meet all your needs. So watch. Malachi 3, 9 says, And you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Ooh. Robbed me. That's quite an indictment. So I looked at this passage and discovered a few more nuggets under the surface. This isn't just about if you don't tithe, God allows a curse to come on you. And here's an incoming text message from God. You're already under a curse. Huh? The whole world is under a curse. When Adam and Eve ate from the tree God told them not to touch, it brought a curse on the human race. And part of that curse was this. Instead of the ground easily providing for all your needs, you just had to go out and take the stuff off the trees? No. The ground is now cursed, so you have to struggle to obtain resources from it. The ground is cursed because of you, God said. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. So you will sweat to get your needs met because the whole earth is under a curse. It groans, Paul said, under the curse. But God said, what I want to do for you, when you bring me the tithe, I want to bring you out from under the curse. So when I lay down that tithe and say, you put that in my hands, here's the tithe. I want to bring you out from under the curse that the world suffers under. I want to put you under the blessing of Abraham and bring you into an alignment with Jehovah Jireh who will provide all your needs. And it's not that God's going to curse you if you don't tithe. When you tithe, it takes you out from under the world's curse and blesses you under heaven's resource. It's not legalism. God wants to be first in your life so he can bless you. It's his desire to bless his kids. It's an amazing principle. So put me first, I'll take care of you. 
So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? And here's the story. People were farmers and ranchers. And he said, There's going to come a time when your son matures and takes over your day-to-day business at the ranch. He's going to be looking at the books to see the balance sheet and how many lambs you've given away. And when an unclean animal gave birth, you redeemed it with a clean animal. And your son's going to scratch his head and call a business meeting, and he's going to say, Dad, you're hurting our bottom line. I mean, this is insane. Do you realize how many lambs you have given to the work of God? You're getting fanatical, Dad, in your old age. Are you losing your mind? Every time a lamb has had its firstborn... You offered it to the Lord. Every time a donkey gave birth, you redeemed it with another lamb. Dad, do you know how many lambs you have cost our company? And Dad, I went to college, and in counting, they told me, this is not how you run a business successfully. Dad, you need to listen to me, because I know how to run a business. And that's when you stand up and you say, listen up, son. We didn't always have a ranch. We did not always have these herds. As a matter of fact, we were once slaves. We didn't have anything until we met the Lord. But I started putting God first. And when I put him first, he blessed me. When I kept putting him first, he blessed me even more. And that bed you're sleeping in, and that house you live in, and that car you drive, and the nice clothes you're wearing, it's because we put God first. And you better know we're going to keep putting God first. That's what you tell your son. And that's what you tell the next generation. And I recall sitting down with my dad and mom and counting out my first pay. The first thing I did, because dad and mom were to oversee what I was doing, when I discovered what was mine to take home, I think it was about 55 bucks. I was probably 12 years old. And I immediately took out the 10th, and I gave it to God's work, our church. And it began a pattern in my life, and it lifted the curse, and it opened the windows of heaven. And my dad and my mom modeled all of this tithing for me. Because my dad opened a business. My dad had done apprenticeship to learn his trade when his dad got very, very ill. And so my dad was the firstborn son. And he had to step out of the college scene to go to work to take care of the family. So he apprenticed and learned his trade. Then he went to work for a company. And he had a setback with his heart. And the company wouldn't take him back. Because he had a heart issue. So dad decided, I'm going to put God first. And I'm going to open my own business. And guess where he opened it? Right next door to the business that laid him off. And it got bigger than that business. And that business of dad's grew and grew and grew. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And dad would give her money every week to take care of the business of running her house. Because... Her business was taking care of the family. In that era, that was pretty much the way things were done. And even though my dad paid tithe on his income, 
Then he began to pay tithe on the profit that came into his business, separately from the tithe on his income from his business. Because he employed numerous people. Then I discovered something else in watching my parents. My mother, on the household allotment that was given to her, paid tithe off of the money that my dad had already paid tithe on. And she paid tithe in church every Sunday off of what dad gave her to run the house. It was amazing. And I never saw any reluctance to putting God first. In fact, the more they gave, the more God blessed our home. It was amazing to watch. This exploded business because of their generosity in putting God first. I can hardly go to a council anywhere in the country or a conference and not have somebody walk up to me that I've known or knew of as it was in this last council with tears in their eyes and looked at me and said, just want you to know if it wasn't for your dad, we would have never made it in the ministry. And I said, tell me about that. He said, well, when we started our church, we had nothing, had little. And every week, your dad made sure he would have us come by his place of business after hours. And he'd wait for us. And he always had this package. So there was always food on our table. I said, I never knew that. He just did that stuff. So when it came time to pay college tuitions, make sure his children were taken care of and got started in life, it didn't come out of the tithe. It came out of the abundance that God had blessed him with for his generous heart. And saints, listen to me. We made choices every week growing up in my family. And this is how we should respond to every check we receive, the attitude. If God didn't give me the breath, the strength, the life, the wisdom, the ability, the intellect, thank you, Lord. I gladly honor you with my first. That's why what we're doing is so powerful. Fasting for 21 days, we're saying to God, We're presenting ourselves, bodies, souls, spirits, our tithe, our giving, the gifts you equipped us with, our time. We present ourselves as living sacrifices to you. We want you to be first this year. How powerful it is that from the very first moment your eyes pop open in the morning, you give the day to God. In God's word daily, at his feet, his servant gaining anointing in direction, humbling ourselves. The first of each day, you give him the first fruits, the first few moments of that day. You're alive. You're breathing. You have another opportunity to do something to make a difference. You give those first few moments to the Lord. On Sunday, the first day of the week, it should be a joy for everybody to be in the presence of the Lord. Now, it might not be such a big deal to you. 
and it is not anymore among many Christians in our culture. But listen to me, it's still in one of God's top ten. Remember the Sabbath. Give me a day where you set aside to worship me. It's the first fruit of the week, and you're honoring God. The first dollar of every ten is his. And when you live it out that God is first, see, Jesus addressed it. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Wow. He said, put me first. He said, all these other things will follow you coming from my hands on your hands. So I never connected the dots like I've been able to connect them later in life. And I used to watch my dad, just a hard-working guy, with a lot of savvy about business and a lot of savvy about relationships with people. And I watched him in his generosity. When he passed, he had all kinds of papers, little pieces of papers in his pockets, made some notes that he kept. People he gave to, people that he loaned money to that needed help. But here's what I saw. The hand of God were on my father's hands because my father had hands that were open not only to receive, but to give. He said, put me first. Because you trusted me to put me first in your life, I release blessing upon you and your family, and you all will be blessed. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. (laughs) Calvary, you ought to stand with me early in this new year. And if you make any resolution, let it be that God is first in every area of your life. Go ahead and lift your hands and make that commitment to the Lord. We sang it earlier. I surrender. Not part. Not what feels comfortable. Not what I think. I surrender all. Because the very breath I have came from you. I'm not breathing on my own. I'm breathing because you give me life. I'm functional because you've given me intellect. I'm able to get up and move around today because, Father, you've looked out for me. You've given me another day. And I want to give you my best, not my least. So I I surrender all, Lord. I surrender all.